Welcome to Old Books of Grace. I'm Dr. Grace Hammond, medievalist, an avid reader, and a complete fiction lover, actually. Today, I'm chatting with my guest, Julie Whitmer, about one of my newest favorite authors, the mid-century writer Elizabeth Googe. Julie Whitmer is a teacher, garden designer, and the host of the Elizabeth Googe Book Club on Instagram, where she shares the joy that she has found in the works of this lesser-known 20th century British author. For four years, she has been committed to encouraging new Googe readers through Instagram read-alongs and creating a global community of those who love Googe's writings. Welcome, Julie, to Old Books with Grace. I'm so excited you're here to talk Elizabeth Googe with me. Thanks for having me. I'm really excited to be here today. So um, when you come on Old Books with Grace, I always ask to get to know you questions. Um, The first is, who is your favorite writer or book from more than 50 years ago? And let's say for the sake of this conversation (laughs) that you can't answer an Elizabeth Googe book. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So so after Elizabeth Googe, um, (laughs) it would be a tie for me between Elizabeth Gaskell and Jane Austen. Um, as time has gone on, I've and I've read more of Googe, and she's constantly referencing Austin. And so I would say because of that, I've come to, uh, you know, love Austin slightly more than Gaskell. But but I think all three of these ladies tell stories about the lives of women set in their homes and their societies, and they tell them with great humor and insight. And so that's the connector um, for them. I love Gaskell's Cranford. Uh, It's completely funny um, and heartwarming. And I also love her Wives and Daughters um, book. And for Austin, I mean, it's hard to pick a favorite Austin, but it would probably be Sense and Sensibility um, because of... Because of the steadfast character of Colonel Brandon, I think he is probably her best, almost Christ figure, you know, in his patient love, you know, not kind of unpossessive love for Marianne. Um, So how do you feel about the um, the movie adaptation of Colonel Brandon? Um, I have watch them all and I think I like um uh Alan um, Rickman Alan Rickman that's right Snape. <laughs> yes Snape Snape's rendition of Colonel Brand I think his is my, my favorite um and I love that Emma Thompson in that rendition that she has him at the end, at the very last scene, I, I we just watched it again. So where he throws the coins in the air, um, mm. apparently that's an old Scottish tradition. And so you see, you know, this man who had loved her. Um, and meanwhile, Marianne had, you know, this other suitor who could only think of money. But at the end, you know, you have Colonel Brandon marrying Marianne and he's just throwing gold coins in the air. You know, just the generosity of that. Oh, I, think I love so- that so beautiful so that's great um well okay so then my second question for you is which literary character do you most identify with and why 
It would have to be Mary Lennox from The Secret Garden. Oh, okay. That's a new... Yeah. I, I don't think anyone's answered that before. That's exciting. Yeah. Um, why do you identify with Mary? Um, so if you know a little bit more about me, it'll make make more sense as far as uh, the fact that gardening is a big love uh, in my life. So, so Mary had a difficult childhood away from beauty and love, but when she comes to England... She finds life and joy in the growing plants, in the garden, and she comes alive herself, you know. And so, um, so I'm intrigued by the idea that, that God uses his creation to heal people um, just by them spending time in a garden, you know, out in creation. And uh, one of my favorite theological concepts is from Hildegard of Bingen. Mm-hmm. Um, and she calls it uh, veriditas, which means, she said, uh, roughly the greening power of God. And mm-hmm. I think that is what Frances Burnett was writing about in The Secret Garden, like whether she knew it or not, uh, you know, and she had some other, you know, theological ideas, maybe, but um, but I, that's what I see. Mm-hmm. And um in that story. Um, and, and actually it is one of the things I love about Gouge as well is that she, you know, she has that element of, um, the power of creation, you know, drawing us. Um, and so I'm also a garden designer and a gardening coach and, and a teacher. So, so it's a joy for me to get to help people create their own secret gardens, um, sometimes literally, you know, behind mm-hmm. hedges and walls, and sometimes just by helping them build their own sort of dream garden at their house. You know, I, I love uh, just getting to help um, people connect with, with the garden. Oh, that's awesome. So that totally makes sense with Mary Lennox then. So who was Elizabeth Googe? Um, and by the way, for, for listening folks who have not encountered her, her last name is spelled G-O-U-D-G-E, and it is pronounced Googe. Um, and this is something that when you're unfamiliar, you may not realize. So just a clarify for folks listening. But who was she? What was her life like? When did she live? Could you tell us a little more about her? Yeah, she was a best-selling British female author who wrote adult novels, children's novels, poetry, short stories, nonfiction, and many poetry anthologies. Um, And they were published over more than 40 years from 1934 until 1976. Mm -hmm. So she began her writing career, you know, actually when she was living in Oxford. So she's, um, you know, kind of around the time of the Inklings and all all that, you know, she was uh, a very shy female and she was writing her own novels, her own imaginative Christian fiction, um, at that time. So she won a prize um, from a U.S. film company, Metro-Goldwyn-Mayer, in 1944. 
for her novel Green Dolphin Street. Uh, in the UK, it was published under Green Dolphin Country, which is the preferred title, I think, by most of her readers. But uh, in often her books got slightly different titles when they came to the US. So in the US, it was Green Dolphin Street. Um, and that book made her a bestseller overnight. Um, she also won the Carnegie Medal for British Children's Literature in 1946 for The Little White Horse, uh, which happens to also have been um, J.K. Rowling's favorite book from childhood. And the one that she says helped inspire the cozy scenes uh, in the Harry Potter series. Um, so Elizabeth Googe was a deeply committed Christian all of her life. And she brought her faith into her stories and anthologies, but without being overtly preachy about it. Um, her novels were printed serially um, in many ladies' magazines during her lifetime. And her stories, uh, including her children's stories, were featured on BBC radio for many years. Hmm. So it's what's interesting is that she... I have read that she was actually one of the um, highest selling authors during um, that period, especially I think the 40s, 50s, 60s, um, which curiously, we you know, curiously don't hear about her um, much. Yeah, it's actually, I'm really surprised to hear that because um, I didn't, ever hear of her as as like a very avid reader I've read a lot of different things I majored um in English I I have a lot of English degrees I and I'm just in general really into um reading novels and I had never heard of her until two years ago um and I was wondering uh, how did you discover her and what what kind of led you to your love of her so much that that you actually started this online Instagram Elizabeth Gooch book club? I know that's kind of two yeah. separate questions. So you can yeah. tackle them one at a time. So, <laughs> so actually relatively recently um, in 2015, um, one of my favorite homeschooling books, Teaching from Rest, mentioned Elizabeth Gooch in it. Um, and then when I went to my local library, they happened to have a few of her novels, a couple of her volumes of short stories. And so I started there. I think I first read her book of short stories for Christmas. Um, it's called a, a Christmas Book. And I was immediately hooked. Um Christmas takes a very special place in many of Guja's tales because she was at the tail end of the Oxford movement, um, which was reasserting the truth of the incarnation um, at that time in England. Um, and so, yeah, so, and Guja was actually not really in print even just eight years ago. Um, I've and, noticed that some of her books are extremely hard to find. Yeah, it, it was even harder, you know, a decade yeah. ago. And I hear that a lot from uh, readers who say, you know, my mother read this to me or I had this book and I can't find it, you know, and they spend their whole lives looking for these books. Um, but thankfully now it's much easier to find her novels in paperback um, with Hendrickson in the U.S. 
um, as well as Hotter Books and Girls Gone By Publishing in the UK. And I bought my first Scooge book, Gentian Hill, in 2016. And I very soon um, decided I must find and read all that I could of her varied works. Um, and now I've read all of her published novels, short stories, um, nearly 40 books, um, multiple times, read through her prayer book over the course of a year, read through her uh, her autobiography, and also the wonderful biography uh, written recently by Christine Rollins, um, which is an amazing book where she ties in Guja's letters um, and other things from from the um, 20th century. So reading Googe, um can feel like a deeply personal experience. And this is something I have encountered, you know, as I've, as I've met more of her readers. Um, so many people adore her books almost to the point of not being able to talk about them. You know, they feel so deeply about them. And I think it's because the way she puts things suddenly jumps out and can speak to a deep part of your soul. And, and I don't think um, that I've ever read one of her books without having some sort of almost transcendent moment where uh, sometimes almost even an answer to prayer, you know, I'll be reading along and all of a sudden I'll stop and I'll say to my husband, she did it again, you know? Um, and it's fascinating because Gooch herself was committed to the idea of God's Holy Spirit being a transcendent light beyond, you know, what we see, you know, what we experience just day to day um, that bursts through in unexpected moments. And so it's it's amazing. She often seems to give, um, she gives her own characters in the book, those experiences. And it's fascinating that this experience seems to also come to her readers. Um, that's very interesting. I, I relate to that because I, I'm, I'm not usually a book crier, but several of her books have made me cry. Um, at I, probably the most, which I just, uh, ugly sobbed through the last like 60 pages of was the Dean's watch. Um, which I was, weeping like we like my husband walked mm. in the room and was like what's wrong it's like nothing's yeah. wrong this is really beautiful but yeah um, that that experience almost exactly happened to me at the dead middle of the white witch which is uh her story that was the last one i just the, finished yeah the english civil war and when i got to the pivotal scene in the center um with the parson um yes and i just yeah, I had a friend come up onto the por- like to my door and she saw me sobbing and she ran away and I was like it's okay. It's just an Elizabeth Gooch book. <laughs> that it it kind of okay, so two two things spring to my mind. Um which is uh the, the first one is I tried to write an essay about that experience for uh for a journal and I totally failed. It was one of the cheesiest essays that I've ever written. And I ended up not, you know, not publishing it, not sending it because it just wasn't working at all. So I'm holding that tension of like this difficult to explain factor, which may contribute to kind of 
her sort of underground vibe. <laughs> I'm not sure, but so that's, that's one thing. But then the other thing is that, um, do you think that it's in her character development that that comes out so much? Cause I think for me, it's, it's hard to say what even is, uh, so moving about reading something like the Dean's watch or the white witch. Um, especially when, uh, it, it takes a lot to get me to that point while reading. Um, and I have trouble putting my finger on what it is. And I think that perhaps it has to do with uh, the way that she writes characters. She's a very, she's very loving in her, that's the best way I can put it. She's very loving in her um, description of human beings where you just feel this, behind the the text there's this deep sort of love of people and i think for me that's what is coming through but i'm curious what what you think that might be that makes it hard to explain or somehow cheesy when we try to capture it um what do you think is happening i think you're you're dead right about that you know you're you're right about that that she loves her characters I, th- I think she sincerely loves her characters, um, adults, <clears throat> children, the good, the bad, yeah. um, you know, the, um, the villains in her story. Um, she has a way of telling you difficult things about a character and then showing you how endearing they are because of those weaknesses. Um, and I know I often come away feeling more loved by God. Because I can see with what love she looks at her characters mm. and what grace she gives them. So, so one example um, that comes to my mind is from the Dean's Watch, um, where Isaac, who is first introduced as a clockmaker, um, but then you find out he has many flaws. You know, he's he's somewhat close-minded. He's somewhat of an alcoholic. Um, but the way she tells it, you love him for it. You know, you you actually understand why he is that way. And then you um, you see the same with his sister, who is a very hard, judgmental character. But uh, in that story, through the dean's eyes, you come to see her soft spots, and you love her for all that she cannot let show to the world, you know, and, and also Gooch doesn't leave them there. You know, she, she takes her characters on to, to different sorts of redemption. You know, it's not the same, um, for everyone. Um, but, um, something I love in her stories is how she loves her children too. You know, they're forever doing naughty things that are incredibly endearing at the same time, um, and her, um, her, actually her first novel, um, Island Magic was set in Guernsey. Um, and she wrote that one in honor of her mother, um, who grew up in Guernsey and she returned later on, um, to write more stories about the Guernsey uh, children, the, the the children from that adult novel. And she actually did this twice, um, which is pretty unusual that she wrote an adult novel 
uh, and then came back and later told stories about the children, basically because she couldn't resist. She just loved them so much. She couldn't stop, you know? And so she wrote many uh, short stories that were later put together into a volume called Make Believe. And these children have the most outrageous adventures on the island of Guernsey. Um, and they're hilarious. Um, and you just, you know, it, they're just seem like real people. I think she tells it so well. Um, and even her animals, you know, she'll give them voices and deeper characterization sometimes. Uh, and very often when the story is about Christmas, um, she will, she will do that. Um, so yeah, I, I think you're right. You know, that she has that deep love for her characters and it kind of draws us in. Yeah. And I, I think too, um, I find that really interesting because I think that there's, uh, an element of which that could be mistaken for like naivete about people, but it's so clearly not in her books. Um, it doesn't feel naive. It actually feels very hard and very unusual. Um, it's not like a look on the bright side, like sort of short, sort of shallow positive attitude. Um, it's actually really peering into sort of the little dried out cracks of people's hearts. Um, and I find that so compelling and I find myself wanting to love more as I read, like her, her fiction is almost like a school of love in a sense, which I, um, find very unusual. And, and I think my theory is that's partially why she hasn't, uh, received like great acclaim for her writing is because um perhaps that that can be sort of off-putting sometimes do you think that Mm -hmm. could be the case Hmm. i i don't think that's why um i think that there were actually some marketing reasons why um she is not as well known um but but to, to like jump back to what you were talking about as far as um, her offering, you know, what a, what a character really is in both like a gritty and loving way. Um, Gooch suffered quite a lot in her personal life. Hmm. Um, and so she brings a lot of compassion um, hmm. for her characters. Um, but she also... And, and this is definitely part of her own faith story. She also challenges them. Yes. You know, just like she challenged herself. Yes. To live lives of kindness and duty, uh, even when it's difficult, you know, even to the point of self-sacrifice. So, so yes, I would say that that is not, that's not a popular. Yes. Um, yes. <laughs> that's a hard pill to swallow. Uh, yeah. Sometimes, and she, but I think that's what makes her fiction Christian fiction. It, it's it's what makes you know because she is committed to bringing redemption and um, light into her story. So, for instance, um, 
a good example is found in the book that we just finished on um, Elizabeth Gooch book club on Instagram. We finished a, a read aloud and um, of Gentian Hill. And this book um, is a book that readers reliably say is cozy and comforting. Mm. Um, it begins with a sunset and with a flogging of a teen boy in the British Navy. Um, and so she holds, she holds the juxtaposition of those things together. And she actually, in the very first page, she's contrasting it. She's saying, you know, there was the beauty of the sunset. Um, and there was the misery, you know, of this young boy in the British Navy. Um, and she doesn't shy away from the harshness of life, Mm -hmm. but instead she weaves it into her character stories uh, that boy deserts the British Navy, um, but later he's convicted that he can survive it and even find joy in his trial. And so he re-enlists. Um, and that's part of his story um, in that book. But she, she, she does this over and over. So what is your favorite of her books. You've read them all. You have spent a lot of time thinking about them and shepherding other people through them. Which one, or, you know, you can, you could do a top three if you really can't narrow it down, but <laughs> what, what do you especially love? Yeah, I had to choose one from each of her major genre for you. So, so for her adult novels, I would choose The Scent of Water. Mm. which is set in the Chiltern Hills, which is east of Oxford, um, because I had a dream about the book after I read it. Um, there's a scene in the woods near a well where a character realizes God's love for them. Uh, and after reading it once, I had a really vivid dream of walking down that path to the well, mm. um, which is the only only time that has happened. Um but it's just a, a very moving scene to me. Um, so for her children's novels, I would choose Henrietta's House, which is one of two sequels to A City of Bells, uh, which are, so those are her, her books set in uh, Wells, England, uh, which she calls Torminster. And there, um, Henrietta's House is the best kind of fairy tale, <laughs> which ends with a cottage garden and a tea party. Um, What's and, not to love about that? Yes. <laughs> um, yes. So, uh, and for nonfiction, I would choose her book, God So Love the World, which is a narrative retelling of Jesus's life. Good wrote it during her mother's last illness, um, which she nursed her through. Um, so it's very moving to hear her thoughts on eternity through that book, mm -hmm. as well as at that same time, she wrote The Valley of Song um, that same year. So for short stories, <laughs> I would say The Well of the Star, which is a Christmas uh, sh a short Christmas nativity story. And it's one of her only short stories in print um plow books has it in their anthology home for christmas um and then for her poem i would have to say uh, easter in the ward um 
which is a poem that tells about the pain and dullness of being in a hospital on Easter Sunday, um, which is suddenly uh, transformed, broke, you know, the light breaks through by the simple act of a nurse singing praise to the Lord as she pushes the tea trolley down the hallway. Uh, and this poem has special, uh, was especially poignant for me the year that I ended up on Easter day in the hospital. Um, so Gooch tells so well, and she, she wrote it from her own experience, you know, mm. being in the hospital on Easter day. So Gooch tells us so well, how light can break into the darkness, mm-hmm. you know, of, of our, our own moments. Um, and we've kind of been dancing around this, touching on it here and there, but kind of back to the question of why she has been sort of overlooked or why people come to her via vague childhood memories or late as adult readers who, who stumble upon her in different ways. And you mentioned, um, some funny marketing around that, or um, could you tell us a little more about your theories on, on why she's kind of gone underappreciated? Yeah. So um, seems pretty um, likely that it was a massive failure of marketing primarily in the seventies and 80s. So so she was still writing in the 70s. She published her last novel um, in her, she was actually in her 70s, in the 70s. Um, and if you look at any of her covers, you know, the covers that the publishers put on her books in those decades, you will immediately see what I mean. Um, I know exactly what you mean. She, I have a copy of The Child of the Sea, which is that last one, right? And yeah. they are horrid. Yeah. So she was a woman. And she wrote about home and she Mm -hmm. wrote about beautiful locations and occasionally her characters fell in love. Consequently, her adult novels were categorized and marketed as romance novels, which was a relatively new genre in publishing. Um, And so in her, in the seventies, in the 1970s, she was in her seventies and Googe was pushed into presiding over the Romantic Novelist Association in Britain. Um, still today, one of their highest awards is in her name, the Elizabeth Gooch Prize. Um, last year, their best bookseller award went to a shop in LA that is called The Ripped Bodice. So, <laughs> which clearly, is so not Elizabeth Gooch. <laughs> clearly, this is not exactly Gooch's genre. Um, Googe had a much more Victorian idea of the word romance, and she actually um, used a passage from p- the Irish poet George William Russell at the beginning of one of her novels, which says, to those who cry against romance, I would say, you yourself are romance. You are the lost prince hurting obscurely among the swine. The romance of your spirit is the most wonderful of stories. Mm. So in that, in that quote, we hear the echo of Jesus's story of the prodigal son. We hear, you know, what many Christian writers in the past hundred years have have referred to as the great romance, you know, the story of God's people returning to him. So her books are a better fit um, 
with what we think of now as Christian fiction um, and to be read by those, you know, who love George MacDonald, C.S. Lewis, Tolkien, uh, Gaskell, you know, Jane Austen. Her books hold the romantic magic of Christmas and the beauty of cathedrals and the coziness of home and the necessity of living a life of love, you know, um, but they, they don't really align with, with our idea of, uh, romantic novels. So her biographer, Christine Rollins, um, says, uh, quote, the soul in the books of Elizabeth Googe reached out to readers worldwide and surely made of her not merely a romantic novelist, but one of the great Christian writers of the 20th century. I um, I like that you bring up this tradition that she is in because as a as a reader of her, I feel like um, her fiction is extremely similar to George MacDonald's fiction. Like those two are really twinned in my mind as um, as two writers who uh, believe in loving humans where they are and in transformation, like mm-hmm. tied together very closely. For sure. Um, in fact, and, I... Go. Oh, go for it. No, that that's just... When I read her, that was what I... I had read like George MacDonald's Curdy novels, which also suffer from some very, very bad cover art, horrible cover art in in contemporary mm-hmm. uh, versions. But uh, yes, I I found ex- so many echoes there in Guja's fiction. She actually loved the princess and Curdy. Um, she loved Andrew Lang's fairy tales, mm-hmm. um, and she loved. Jane Austen, she loves Shakespeare and all sorts of poetry. And, and, and so you definitely hear those, yes. uh, all of them, you know, where she's constantly referencing poets and philosophers and even painters uh, in her novels. Um, but actually, interestingly, I had read one of um, George MacDonald's adult novels right before I started reading Gentian Hill and I was really struck. That was exactly, I was, I thought, wow, this reminds me so much of George MacDonald. Um, and, you know, Googe was born in the last few months of the reign of Queen, Queen Victoria in April, 1900. And so, and she was raised um, really like a Victorian lady. You know, mm-hmm. she was, because um, her parents had a very important part in her story. Her father was a clergyman in the Church of England. Um, and and so Gooch was born and lived in three different cathedral towns in England uh, until his death. Um, and she was given a key to a hidden gate of the bishop's grand palace garden in Wells, uh, where she would go enjoy tea time with the housekeeper when she wanted to, uh, when she was little. Um, she A decade later, she lived um, next to Ely Cathedral, which is north of London, um, which is where the Dean's Watch is set. Um, and then in 1923, she moved to Oxford, 
uh, with her father because he was given the Regis Professor of Education post. And so he lived, they actually lived um, right under the big bell under Tom Tower in in Oxford. Um, and so she attended um, a Victorian lady school, you know, so she, she was prepared to be the lady of the house in a Victorian household. But then, of course, the Great War happened, and um, you know there weren't there weren't men for her. There was no one for her to marry at that time. Um, and so, when her father tragically uh, died um, suddenly after a um, after an accident in 1939. Um, Googe and her mother, her invalid mother, were forced out of their parsonage home in Oxford, um, just like Jane Austen's mm. uh, family was forced out when her father died. Um, and Googe was forced to become the breadwinner for her invalid mother. And so so she had had no, you know, no formal training. She was painfully um, shy. She had a stutter into her fifties. And she, when she was young, she dreamed of being, being an actress and a nurse, but was told, you know, those weren't good, good jobs for her. Um, and so she settled down and, and, you know, kept writing. And, um, so when she won, um, the prize in 1944 from the U S film company, she said the old dolphin saved the day. Um, and they actually made that book into a movie in 1947 that stars Lana Turner and Donna Reed. Uh, and it won an Oscar mm. for best visual effects, even though Gooch herself said she really didn't like the movie. Could it, could it <laughs> it's funny how often adaptations? that happens. <laughs> how authors don't really care for the adaptations of their film, <laughs> of their books. So, um, where what would you for folks who have not read her um books what would you recommend starting with so her works have a variety of settings and time periods so i often suggest people read a few different synopsis online mm -hmm. and see what sounds interesting to them you know or they could put pick a book by location such as those set in guernsey or devon uh, or wells um, but many people feel that The Dean's Watch is her most mature novel. Um, it's a redemptive story based around Ely Cathedral and where the dean of the city goes on a spiritual awakening as he befriends those around him. And clockmaking features significantly in the story. It actually helps to deliver a gospel message, you know, towards the end of the story. Um, so that's a wonderful one to start with. Um, the Scent of Water, um, which I've mentioned, and A City of Bells and Gentian Hill, they're all cozy favorites that have real substance to them. So they're all great choices. The White Witch is a you know, compelling story about the English Civil War. Um, but for children's literature, if you, if you just want to dip in with a book that's slightly shorter um, and get a flavor of Googe, then The Little White Horse is a great one to start with. Um, which is a tale, a fairy tale about a girl who has an unforgettable bedroom in a turret and she helps to save her valley uh, with her bravery and courage. And there's actually quite a bit of reference to St. Francis in that book. Um, 
who was uh, a person who Googe loved very much. Um, and those readers who grew up reading the Valley of Song, they tell me that it shaped their faith and imagination and that they've been trying to find that book ever since. And so fortunately, right now, uh, the Valley of Song is currently back in print as well. So right. that's another another children's book. Awesome. The, that's super helpful. And then finally, if folks are interested in reading alongside with you um, and the book club, where can they find you online? We are on Instagram as Elizabeth Googe. And yes, Googe is G-O-U-D-G-E. Um book club. So Elizabeth Googe book club on Instagram. And we have uh, free read alongs, which means if you get a copy of the book and you look at the posts and you, uh, you can join right in and comment and we can talk about the characters. I do a lot of deep dives on Instagram into the historical periods and locations, uh, poets that she talks about other interesting facts Um and there's a lot of beautiful travel photos on Instagram. So I can just repost those and kind of paper our imagination with the location of the book, you know, that we're reading together that month. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Julie, for coming on and sharing your love of Elizabeth Googe with us. I really appreciate it. Thanks so much for having me. Thanks again for listening to Old Books with Grace. I'm Dr. Grace Hammond. You can find me online at um, gracehammond.substack.com. If you're interested in reading more of what I've been up to, I have a monthly Substack newsletter with some fun medieval and early modern literature in it that goes out on the 12th of each month. And I also have, um, am available on Instagram at Old Books with Grace and on Twitter at Grace Hammond PhD. I'd really appreciate it if you enjoyed this episode, if you could leave a review or a rating on the platform of your choice. It helps me out a lot. It helps other people to find Old Books with Grace, and I really appreciate it. Thanks again for listening. <laughs>